Welcome to part 24 in our series. We're finishing up our series today, Heroes of the Faith. We've been noticing as we're going through the book of Acts, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, these heroes of the faith emerge. Individuals that rise up in these chapters, ordinary people, just like you, just like me, and filled with the Holy Spirit that God raises up to be used as heroes of the faith in their day and age. And this is what the Lord wants to do in your life as well, in my life. Use us as a hero of the faith in someone else's life as we're filled with His Spirit. So this morning, we're going to finish our study in the book of Acts. We're going to look at our final hero of the faith, the Apostle Paul. Yes. Now, last Sunday, we journeyed with Paul, and he was under arrest. He was on a ship in the middle of the Adriatic Sea. He's heading to Rome, and he's going to Rome because he's going to testify before Caesar. But on his way to Rome, on this ship, they encountered a very severe storm. The ship was completely destroyed, but all 276 people on board, as the Apostle Paul foretold, made it safely to shore. So the island that Paul and the other 275 passengers land on is the island called Malta. Chapter 28, Acts 28, you should be there. Verse 1, once safely on shore, <clears throat> we found out that the island was called what? Okay, Malta. This is a picture of Malta. Literally today, you can see Malta. It's a small island. It's just 17 miles long, 9 miles wide, about 60 miles south of Sicily. Now, the bay where Paul shipwrecked is today appropriately called St. Paul's Bay. And notice the bay. Oh, yeah. If you are shipwrecked, that's where you want to be shipwrecked, right? <laughs> God was smiling on them all, okay? Wow. Now, today what we're going to do is we're going to journey with the Apostle Paul from this island of Malta, and we're going to travel north to Rome, where we will find that Paul will be under house arrest. And so here's, I think, do we have a map of the journey, Robert, if we can put that up there? I don't know if we have a map of it or not. Doesn't seem like we do. But they're going to go north to Rome. Now, as we travel with Paul, we're going to see up and close, you know, this final trait of a hero of the faith. And uh, anytime any of us lives out this trait, today we become a hero of the faith. And it, this is like the number one, most important, the primary hero of the faith trait in the whole book of Acts. Everything leads up to this trait. And so let me give it to you right now. One of the most heroic things you can do is to share the gospel wherever you find yourself. Let's, let's read that out loud together. Can we do that? Okay, here we go. One of the most heroic things you can do is to share the gospel wherever you find yourself. Now, isn't it amazing? Wherever you go, there you are. It's true. If you're at home, there you are. If you're at work, there you are. Wherever you go, there you are. So I'd like you to tell someone at your table, look at them and say, wherever you go, there you are. They need to be told that. <laughs> but 
Even though that's true, wherever you go, there you are. But, say that to someone, but you are not alone. God is with you. That's an amazing thing. Wherever you go, there you are, but you're not alone. God is with you. And here's a question. Why is God with us? There's a reason why he's with us that we're going to discover today. So, as we begin, you see there's some three facts about your life and where you are today that I want us to understand because the book of Acts teaches us this. Here's the first fact. God leads you right where he wants you to go. Do you know that? God is always leading you right where he wants you to go. Acts 23, 11 says this. The Lord stood near Paul, and we already studied this, but this is an application for your life. The Lord stood near you, put your name there, and said, take courage as you have testified about me in Jerusalem. This is what you've been doing your whole life. You've been testifying about the Lord in various ways, in various modes. You must also testify in Rome. See, the Lord knows where he wants you to go. Paul found himself on the island of Malta at this moment in history that we're studying. Why? Because God wanted them to be there. He wanted them to go there. And it's the same with you. Why are you at your job? Because God wants you to be there. Why do you live in the neighborhood you live in? God wants you to be there. Hmm. Second fact is this. God has you right where he wants you to be. Yeah, right where you're at right now, that's right where God wants you to be. Look at Acts 17, 26, and 27. From one man, that's Jesus, from Jesus, he has made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Who set up all the nations? Jesus, all of them. 195 nations in the world today that are political nations. Jesus Christ has set them all up. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he's not far from any of one of us. Why did God place you where he wanted you to be here in the United States? So that at one point you would find him. Why? Because someone talked to you about him, you put your faith in him, and now why has God placed you where you are? So you can share what you have received with someone else so they can find God as well. This is the big picture of what God is doing. The question is, will we become a hero of the faith and actually recognize it? Or will we just go along in life thinking that where we are is just by chance? No. It's a divine purposed, determined, set up, amazing miracle. Thirdly, God's purpose in all this is that you would share the gospel wherever you find yourself. This is really the whole message in the book of Acts. Look at Acts 1.8. It's there. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now, why? Why is it that when we become Christians, we receive the Holy Spirit, power comes on us? Why? And you will be my witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. You'll be my witnesses wherever you go. Wherever you won't go, you're not alone. I'm with you. The Holy Spirit is with you. Why? To be his witness. That's it. 
Why have I been left on this planet? To share the gospel. That's it. It's not to make a living. It's not primarily to, so you can have vacations, so you can retire. That is not the primary. That's the secondary. Why do I find myself in Castro Valley? Or wherever you live? So you can share the gospel. Why do I find myself at the particular employment I'm at? To share the gospel. It's not by accident. God has where you are for the purpose of you sharing the gospel. Billy Graham said this, don't miss the point of your life. And guess what? Sadly, sadly, so many Christians miss the point of their life. The point of your life is to share the gospel. That is the reason you've been saved. That is the reason you and I have been given eternal life. To share the gospel wherever you find yourself. Because wherever you find yourself, it's never by accident. God is with you, and he's wanting to work through you. Hmm. Okay. Now, we're going to just uncover something really cool here. But I want you to just talk about this at your tables first before we move forward. As you look back on your life, how have you seen God guiding you along for a gospel purpose? I have a feeling that as you look back in your life, there's moments when you rose up to be heroic, whether in an old neighborhood, in an old job, and, and, and God arranged. Sometimes he kind of forced you, pushed you in, and you realize, yeah, this is why I'm here, to share the gospel, and maybe even reluctantly, you know? We're trying to move from being reluctant to, like, excited about and not intimidated about sharing the gospel. But I really believe that in your life, as you look back, you're going, yeah, you're right. This is what God has been doing, and he's been trying to get my attention, and he has used me. And you would talk about those moments. Take a moment to talk about that at your tables. Go for it. Okay, let's read once again our hero of the faith trait. We can do that. I think it's going to come up here, hero of the faith trait. Can we show that? There we go. Let's read it out loud. One of the most heroic things you can do is to share the gospel wherever you find yourself. Wherever you find yourself. Wherever. Imagine all the places where you're going to find yourself this week. And so the Holy Spirit has brought us here to say our mindset, what the Lord wants to do in your heart and life, is that wherever you go, the opportunity to actually extend the gospel in that setting. That's heroic. So is it possible to share the gospel wherever you find yourself? And the answer is totally yes. Yes. Well, why, Mark, do then I struggle at times? Or why do Christians at times struggle sharing the gospel wherever they find themselves? Well, maybe some of us have never learned to do this. Just haven't learned. Or we've forgotten, or we're distracted. We get so distracted. Or maybe you're just overwhelmed with life, and it's like ah, you're just trying to, you know, your job is so intense and, or whatever. Is it possible to overcome that, to transcend that, to have a faith that actually 
is engaging 24-7 with the Lord to where the Lord can use you to share the gospel whatever setting. If so, how does that come about? Well, we're going to learn this morning three ways. They're so simple, but they're so life transformational. Three ways to share the gospel wherever you find yourself. And this is all modeled by the Apostle Paul. They're so simple. And this will totally change your life. Okay, number one. Wherever you find yourself, share the gospel by praying for people. Just pray for people. One of the simplest, easiest ways to share the gospel with people is to pray for people and if God opens the door, offer to pray for them literally out loud. Now, notice where Paul found himself and just notice how he models this. This is not difficult, you guys. But just, it, it comes naturally. And just watch Paul. He's our hero. Acts 28, verse 1, let's read. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island that we, you know, was called Malta. So they crash land on Malta. Well, the islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was rainy and cold. Remember, they crashed October, late October, early November. Very, very cold in that part of the world. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood and he put it on the fire. Paul's helping build a fire. And a viper driven out by the heat fastened itself on Paul's hand. I hate it when that happens. You know, one time I came out of our house in Castro Valley, went around the corner, I grabbed this piece of metal, lifted it up, and a rattlesnake was underneath there. And, you know, boom! You, but I, can you imagine getting latched on? I mean, literally, Paul's like got a viper on him. What happens? Well, when the islanders saw that the snake is hanging from Paul's hand, they said to each other, this man must be a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, the goddess justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. I've always thought, did they eat that snake? I mean, I don't know. (laughs) This is how I think. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds, said he was a god. Don't you just love the fickleness? This dude's a murderer! He's a God. He's a God. And we laugh at that, but people are like that today. Hinduism, 333 million gods. Most of the gods that Hindus worship are people. They worship people. People are gods. This is all around the world. I shouldn't say most because it's everything. Do they worship in Hinduism? Nature, but people, big time. Not only Hinduism, Many, many other religions do the same. Animus, no, we're getting off track. Verse 7, there was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. Okay, so this is the governor appointed by Rome to be on this island. Everything is under Rome at this point in history. And so this guy's the governor, and he welcomed us into his home and showed us generous hospitality for three days. His father was sick in bed. The governor's father, sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. So this is very common due to poor sanitation back then. You would get sick often. Well, Paul went to see him, this father, and, and, and after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. 
When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island, well, they came and they're cured also. Paul's praying for them. They honored us in many ways, and then as we were ready to sail, they furnished us with the supplies that we needed. Now notice, Paul, he prayed. He's praying for Publius's sick father who God healed with many others. Now, we're not told that the whole island came to Christ. We're not even told that Paul preached the gospel, although you can read between the lines, I'm sure he did. But we are told that Paul prayed for this chief official's father and that God healed him and that God healed many others. Now, does God always heal when we pray? No. But God sometimes heals when we pray. Our privilege is to pray for others and trust God for the results. Our fear of God not healing someone should never, you know, prevent us from praying for someone, regardless of their condition. And this is what I've noticed over the years. And I'm growing in these three areas we're going to study today. But I do engage in these three areas on a regular basis. But I'm growing. We're all growing. But I've noticed this. An unbeliever will be deeply moved by our prayer regardless of the results. Deeply moved. When you pray for someone, you see your prayer demonstrates love for them and it demonstrates your faith in God on their behalf. And that touches an unbeliever very, very deeply. It's prayer. Only one time in my life has an unbeliever not allowed me to pray for them. So many times, though, have unbelievers with tears in their eyes welcomed me to pray for them. And most of the times, they don't know I'm a pastor. I remember being on an airplane flying into Nepal, a Hindu country. And I'm on, you know, I'm coming. Typically, when I fly, you know, we go into persecuted countries. So I tell myself and all those that travel with me, you know, on airplanes, we do not give up our identity as Christians because that can really, you never know who's seated there and what can happen uh, to us when we get in country or even, it's, it's a security issue. But I'm sitting next to this Hindu couple and it was me, him, husband, and then the wife near the, the uh, window. She is obviously sick. And I begin conversation with the husband and he begins to pour out to me with tears about his wife and how they're just coming back from India. His wife has an illness they know not the, the, the purpose of, the cause of, and even the doctors in India could not diagnose her. And they were just broken. And uh, this was one of the times I just felt, okay, Lord, you put me here. And so I just said, you know, I'm a Christian. I believe in the power of Jesus Christ. And I said, sir, would you mind, what, could I pray for your wife? And tears. He said, yes, please. And I said, do you mind if I touch her? I said, do you mind if I touch you? And tears in her eyes. She said, please. So I reached over his lap, put my uh, hand on her, her leg, and I just right there prayed a prayer of faith, of healing over this young lady. And when we're finished, just their tears, they're touched deeply. And so they begin to talk, and then all of a sudden they turn back to me, and I'm like, wow, I wonder what's going on here. And there's people around watching, and I'm like, that's all right, Lord. And uh, he turns to me, he says, we've talked. Uh, Mark, will you please come and stay in our home in Nepal? 
will you please stay with us? There's something different about you. We want to know what this is. And I said, oh, I, I thank you for that. <laughs> but I, you know, I had meetings every, and I, they said, will you please at least come for dinner one night? And I'm like, wow, that I couldn't even do. But I said, let me tell you about Jesus. And it opened up this amazing conversation to share the gospel. But I've seen this happen again and again and again. You see it with Paul. You see it in your life. Some of us think, I don't know. We, we put this idea of sharing the gospel. It's so intimidating and scary and feel like we got to take a Bible and, you know, it, that, that's not it. It's loving people by praying for them. If you're, you're at work by divine appointment, are you praying for people at work by name? Some of you, I'll be honest with you, you just are so discouraged, you don't like your job, you wonder why you're even here, and could I say this? Your problem is your vision is too small. You think you're there for a paycheck. I pity you. That is just so far, you need to grow in your faith. I say that in all love. You understand I love you, right? But I feel, I really do, my heart breaks for you. If that's the reason you think you're alive is to get a paycheck, you are there to be God's witness, to be his ambassador. That is literally the reason why you're alive. It's not to, not to get a paycheck. Pray for people by name, and, and then you will be amazed at the opportunities you will have to actually pray for someone when something arises, and it will start something that you can't imagine. And guess what? Every one of us can do this. All of us can. That's the first way to share the gospel wherever you find yourself. Pray for people, and then when God gives the opportunity, you'll know it, offer to pray for them. Wow. Second way to share the gospel. Wherever you find yourself, share the gospel by meeting with people. This, now, this is so simple, but it's so easily overlooked in our lives. And this is what I find. The longer you become a Christian, the more inclined you are, watch this, to meet with Christians. You've got to fight that. You've got to totally fight that. Yes, you are called to meet with Christians, but not exclusively. It's so easy to have a meeting with a non-Christian. All you need to say is, hey, let me buy you lunch. In, you know, there's tithes and there's offerings. Consider buying people lunch and offering. Take a non-Christian out and just see what will happen. You say, what do I do? That's so intimidating. Well, let's see what Paul does, and then we'll kind of take this apart. Notice just what happens here, okay? Verses 11 now to 28. After three months, okay, so they're on this island, you know, in Malta, three months. After that, we put out to sea in a ship that had wintered in the island, it was an Alexandrian ship with the figurehead of the twin gods, Castor and Pollux. We put, you know, the original ship was destroyed, so they get on this one. We put in at Syracuse and stayed there three days. So they go north to this Syracuse. Tradition says that Paul, in those three days, started a church, planted a church. From there, we set sail and arrived at Regum, which is on in Italy, southern Italy. The next day, uh, the south wind came up, and on the following day, we reached Pretoli. There we found some brothers and sisters who invited us to spend a week with them. And so we came to Rome. So they arrived in Rome. 
The brothers and sisters there had heard that we were coming, and they traveled as far as the foreign of Appius and the three taverns to meet us. Paul's having all these meetings. Just, just notice what's happening here. At the sight of these people, Paul thanked God for them. He's encouraged by them. When we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself with a soldier to guard him. He's under house arrest. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. Just hold that right now. Verse 17, three days later, Paul called together. He's calling a meeting. Called, called together the Jewish leaders. These are not necessarily believers in Jesus, but he's calling these people together. When they had assembled, Paul said to them, my brothers, although I have done nothing against our people, speaking of the Jews, or against the customs of our ancestors, I was arrested in Jerusalem and handed over to the Romans. They examined me, remember in Caesarea, we studied that, and wanted to release me because I was not guilty of any crime deserving death. The Jews objected, remember from Jerusalem, so that I was compelled to make an appeal to Caesar because Paul didn't want to go back to Jerusalem. They would kill him. I certainly did not intend to bring any charge against my own people, the Romans. For this reason, I have asked to see you to talk with you. It is because of the hope of Israel that I am bound with this chain. Well, they replied, we have not received any letter from Judea concerning you, and none of our people who have come from there has reported or said anything bad about you, but we want to hear about your views. For we know that people everywhere are talking about this sect, the sect being Christianity, known as the way Christianity at that time. So they arranged to meet another meeting with Paul on a certain day, and they came in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. And he witnessed to them from morning till evening, explaining about the kingdom of God. So in these meetings, he's witnessing, he's explaining. And from the law of Moses and the prophets, he's using the word of God. Some were convinced by what he said. They became Christians, but others would not believe. They disagreed among themselves and began to leave after Paul, you know, made his final statement. Paul said this, the Holy Spirit spoke the truth to your ancestors when he said through Isaiah the prophet, he quotes Isaiah here, he says, go to this people and say, you'll be ever hearing and ever understand, but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, I want you to know that God's salvation will be sent to the Gentiles. They're going to listen. Wow. So, do you see a pattern that's going on here? Everywhere Paul went, he prayed for people. At times, he would pray with people. And then everywhere he went, Paul found himself initiating, starting, arranging a meeting with people to gather. Paul is gathering with people, hanging out with people. He's thanking God for people. When given the opportunity, he would tell his story with people at those gatherings. He was witnessing to people, sharing about the kingdom of God with people when the door was opened. Paul saw that some were convinced, some came to Christ. Saw, Paul saw that others, they would not believe. I have one friend who I've known for 40 years, my best friend in high school, still does not believe, refuses to believe. I pray for him every day, and I'll continue to pray for him every day. Paul gave some people this final warning, you know. Others are going to listen. It, it's just a simple but very profound observation as you look at the Apostle Paul. All of his opportunities to share the gospel happened because he initiated 
a casual meeting with people in that context. The other day, uh, I met this guy named Brian in the hallway. Just never seen him before. We just passed, and I said, hey, how you doing? And he said this, quote, he, he says to me, um, I'm just seeking God. And then he said, and I don't know what I'm doing. And I said, wow, let's meet. And he goes, really? When? I go, how about right now? And he goes, okay. So we uh, go down to D2 for a little privacy. And I said, tell me your story. If you know me, don't show the picture yet, Robert. If you know me, uh, yeah, don't pretend like you didn't see that picture. So if you know me, uh, my number one story, I'm questioning you, ask someone, please write this down. When you don't know what to say to someone, you're with a non-Christian, you have a meeting with them. I have meetings with non-Christians all the time, talking with them, meeting with them. This is the number one question. Tell me your story. Tell me your story. 99% of non-Christians have never had someone who loves them, who just says, tell me your story, and they'd actually listen. Most people, they only want to talk about their story. If you are a person that will pay for someone's lunch and say, genuinely, tell me your story, you will not, and you've been praying for them, you will be shocked at what that person will say to you. Because you're showing them love. You're loving them, and you're giving them opportunity to tell, and you're going to hear things you never knew was going on in their life. And you do that in a meeting. Do it over coffee. It, 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 there's no pressure on you. You're just praying for people, and you're inviting them to a little get-together. You're buying them. You're blessing them. You say, tell me your story. You'll be surprised. You know, an hour later, you're going, my gosh, I'm late for work. You know, I mean, it's amazing just what it will be. So I, I said, Brian, tell me your story. And he tells me his story. He's been through a lot of pain, his dad and all this. And so then I just shared the gospel with them. And, and then you saw the picture. You know, I, there's a way I share the gospel in, in that little simple written form. And he came to Christ, prayed to receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. You pray for someone, and it's, you know, it, and to God be the glory, you guys, but it, it's just, I, I really want to encourage you, it's not that difficult. It's really not. It's loving people, praying for them, and just inviting them out in a meeting setting, tell me your story. And guess what? There'll be opportunity for you to then interject your story. The biggest thing I hear after I've listened to someone intently, they go, then they reciprocate. They go, Mark, can you tell me your story? You share the gospel. And uh, most of you I have trained in how to share the gospel. And if you want me to train you in that, maybe I need to do that on a Sunday. Do you want me to do that? Yes. Really? Yes. Really? Okay. All right. I can't be thinking out loud right now. This is being recorded. But... Uh, you know, uh, okay, then, then I've got to figure out, and maybe I'm thinking maybe next Sunday. I have to, I have to think through this. But anyway, um, so lunch, sharing with others your story. Meet, you pray, you meet with people. Let me give you a third way to share the gospel wherever you find yourself. 
Wherever you find yourself, share the gospel by welcoming and telling people about Jesus. Now, this is something you can do wherever you find yourself. Welcome people, be friendly, kind, loving to people. And if God opens the door, share Jesus with people. You can do this. You can. And notice where Paul found himself and notice what he does. Verses uh, 30 to 31, this is how the book of Acts ends. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house. So Paul had to pay rent, even though he's under house arrest, and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Wow. I love it. These two years must have been the greatest years of Paul's life. This must have absolutely been a dream come true for Paul. You say, why? No one was trying to kill him, and no one was trying to stone him. He actually had a Roman guard to protect him, okay? And Paul was able to just freely, this is what he did for two years. Welcomed people, loved them, come on in. And then he shared the gospel freely with them. Wow. What about you? Wherever you go, can I just ask you, this last week, you've been to a lot of places. Did you welcome people? I mean, just friendly to people. Did you welcome people? Because all the people that you had the opportunity to welcome, God sent to you. God sent them to you. He arranges the times and everything. And if you had the opportunity, would you share Jesus with them? Or maybe you did. Hmm. A few weeks ago, I had the privilege of officiating at Aunt Jerry's memorial. Aunt Jerry, as I knew her, attended followers. We sang her birthday when she turned 90 years old here. And, uh, and then at 95, she went home to be with the Lord. And, and uh, just two weeks ago, I did her service. And it was beautiful. It was a wonderful service. After the service, and if you've ever been to a memorial, I preach the gospel at memorials. I give people the opportunity to come to Jesus. Yesterday, I did the same thing in that moment. And that's just it. You want me to do your memorial? You know one thing. The gospel will be preached in love. But I preach the gospel. This is what God's called all of us to do, just not me. Oh, man, how can you go to a memorial service and the gospel not be preached? I just can't even imagine that. But but at any rate, you know, this guy after the service uh, named Marcello, he comes to me, 36 years old, and he says, Mark, he goes, can I please talk with you? And you will find people around you all the time. They may not be that obvious, but they want to talk with you. He was so bold, he said, yeah, can I please talk with you? So I had opportunity to do what? Be like Paul? Welcome him. Sure, let's talk. And we went into the hallway where some privacy. What's up? He's like, every word you said was God speaking right to me. And he goes, I am the prodigal. For these last two years, I have walked from God, and he was speaking to me so powerfully. 
And uh, then I had the opportunity to just share Jesus with him. You know, Jesus, his arms are like this for you, Marcelo. And Mar- I said, how can I help you? And he says, Mark, he goes, will you please lead me in a prayer to bring me back to Jesus 100% committed to him? And I said, yeah. I go, you want me just to pray? He goes, no, I want you to pray. Give me the words, and I want to come to Jesus with those words. Right in the hallway. Boom. You just welcome people and then share Jesus with people as you have the opportunity. Now, I know I know it's very easy to go, Mark, but you're a pastor, you know? You're paid to be good. I'm good for nothing, you know? I mean, I, I know I, I, I'm, I, but it's the principles that I'm trying to bring across here that you can model in your own way. You're not called to be me. You're called to be you. But there is not a one of you who can't pray for people and offer to pray with people and then meet with people and then welcome people and share Jesus when he opens the door. And maybe you need a little help with what to share, and we'll, we'll kind of give you that maybe next week. Um, do you want that next week? Okay, all three of you said that. Yeah, okay. We'll see. We'll see. Dude, what about in the video? You guys want that? Okay. All right. Okay, we'll see. Okay. Um, so three ways to share the gospel. Did you get that? You pray, you meet, you welcome, you share. Would you write those words down? Pray, meet, welcome, share. That's it. And you do it all in love. Never force any of this. Never. The Holy Spirit, you'll see, will prepare people. And you'll know if they're not prepared. As soon as you sense they're not prepared, you you stop. You just, you never force I always ask people as we're going along, are you all right with this, you know? I don't want them to think I'm forcing. Hey, it's a miracle if God opens someone's heart. He's going to do the work. You have to just kind of look and say, okay, is God opening them? Are they still, you know? Okay, talk about this at your tables, and then we're going to wrap it up with a really cool story. Of the three ways to share the gospel wherever you find yourself, which one most speaks to you and why of these three things? ways. You know, what's the Holy Spirit saying? All three are, I'm sure, great, but is there one of them in particular? Okay, I need to start, you know, integrating that into my life. Talk about that. Okay, let's come back, look at our hero of the faith trait. I'm going to remind you of a few things, tell you a story, and I'll pray for you. Like, can we read our trait one more time, you guys? Just take in every one of these words, okay? Here we go. One, two, three. One of the most heroic things you can do is to share the gospel wherever you find yourself. Wherever you find yourself, to share the gospel in these ways we've talked about this morning. It's not, this isn't intimidating. It's just a way to do life with the Holy Spirit. Now, three facts about your life again that we've mentioned, but I just want to reiterate this. God leads you where he wants you to go. This week, he's going to do that. God has you right where he wants you to be, where you're at right now. God's purpose in all this is that you would share the gospel wherever you find yourself, and as you do so, you experience divine appointments like set up by God, and it's so cool. Now, I love Paul. He looks back on his life in Philippians chapter 1, verse 12, and he says, I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me, I don't know what's happened to you, but all that, whatever happens to you, is in God's hands, 
and it's actually served to advance the gospel. All this stuff, it's advanced the gospel through my life. I've just shared Jesus wherever I've been. That's a pretty cool statement to make. One of the most heroic things you can do is share the gospel wherever you go. C.S. Lewis, he, he said this. He, says, he said, imagine a sheet of paper, this white sheet of paper. Imagine that this sheet of paper gets expanded to fill this whole wall, and this white sheet of paper goes beyond the wall to fill the whole world, the atmosphere. It goes, the sheet of paper, into our entire solar system, 100 billion stars in our galaxy. It's a sheet of paper covering the entire galaxy. There's 100 billion galaxies in the universe. And it's one sheet of paper. That's God. He covers everything. Imagine one line on that paper. That's your life. Time and space. This is your opportunity. Your life. Why did God put you in time and space? To share the gospel. In light of eternity, one day with Lana, you're going to be with Jesus in heaven. You're not going to share the gospel there. Right now, this is the time to share the gospel. You know, sometimes it's good to look at life the way God sees it. God sent his son into this world to die on a cross for the sins of this world so that people who have coronavirus can hear about Jesus. We all have a virus. It's called sin, and it's killing everyone. You have the answer. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You know, Jake Bielig, who is uh, a significant mentor in my life, the second senior pastor of our church, he said the gospel was given, Mark, not just to save the world. That's what we tend to think. The gospel's given to save the world, and that's true. But he also said it's given to save the church, and it's given to save the Christian. Without the gospel, my life would be so boring, I don't even know what I'd be doing. Probably not good. When churches forget that their reason is to preach the gospel, they get messed up. When Christians forget that their reason for existence is to share the gospel, they get messed up. When your life gets Focus that the point of your life is to share the gospel, it gets so exciting. You have a reason to go to work. You have a reason to walk out the door. You have a reason to live. And you see the miracles that God is doing here and around the world. Yes, you hear the miracles of what God's doing in Africa and India. Let me tell you, God's doing miracles here. They're different. It's one at a time I find here more so. But the miracles of people coming to Jesus, of you being involved in that process. It's what I live for. It's what I will die for. It's what every Christian should live for. You're dying for something. This is worthy of dying for. It's the only thing worth living for. One of my most special memories was with 43 of you in Rome. And this is a picture of our team in Rome. I love this trip. I just love traveling with you. You're the greatest people on the planet as far as I'm concerned, every one of you. But my special memory in Rome was watching you pray for our guide, was watching you meet with her, 
welcoming her, befriending her, sharing Jesus with her. And she was so overwhelmed by your love that the last night we were with our guide, she said, Mark, can I please meet with you? I've never seen love like I've seen. And I said, Rita, let me tell you where that love comes from. And I took her through what I'll teach you next Sunday. And this is Rita after she prayed to receive Jesus as her Savior and Lord. I'll teach you this next week if you want it. And you remember what happened? The next morning, we take off at 4 in the morning, and we're driving to the airport, and she's with us. She didn't talk once about Rome. 45 minutes straight, she talked about Jesus. Yeah. And it's because of this. You prayed for her. You welcomed her. You loved her. And I sat back, and I'm going, this is what it's all about. This is the church being the church. These are my people, and I was never more proud of you. You just filled with the Holy Spirit, loving her. And you were like, oh, but when are you going to talk to her, Mark? You were all saying that to me. Uh, I said, let's wait. Let's see what God does. And together, we saw the book of Acts take place. Thanks for being with us as we've journeyed in this amazing books. The Acts of the Holy Spirit, they continue in your life and in my life. Amen? Amen. Let us be as witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the privilege of just knowing you, that there was a time that you raised up someone who was a witness in our life, and we came to you, and Lord, we admit we get distracted. I admit I get distracted, Lord, and you continue to work in my life, reminded me of why I'm here, and so I include myself in this prayer. I just want to live and die being your witness. It's the only reason why we are alive. Yes, we get distracted, Lord, we do. But I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would use this moment, this holy moment right now to just refocus us on what our purpose is and uh, that your spirit would do something very special, anointing, setting apart, consecrating your people today even as I'm praying for the work unto which you've called us to be your witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. That means wherever we're at to be your witness. You don't need to go to Africa to be your witness or Mexico. It happens right here, right tomorrow where we're at in our cubicle or wherever that might be. Lord, give us a vision, your vision, for the privilege and the excitement that it is to partner with you, your Holy Spirit, and what you want to do in the lives of those around us. Encourage your people, strengthen them, I pray. Fill them with your spirit. Send us all out to be your men and women. All God's people said? Amen. Amen.